and welcome back to episode number 83. Today has been a long-awaited conversation that I've been wanting to have. We're going to do All Talks Comics today. I have two guests on the show, and this one guest I've been waiting for, what, about a year. It's going to be All Guy, All Comic Book Talk today. So who I have on the show today is Craig. You've heard him debate with our Skinwalker and our Sasquatch or Bigfoot or Yowie conversation we had. But we have George on the show. George is an avid comic collector, and I've been waiting for a year. And he's the first person that I've ever went to to a comic book show, and I bought some comics. I haven't read all of them yet, but I found out how to collect comics because I watched this ass do it for about, what, six hours. So on the show today, I want to say hello to Craig. Hello. And then George. Howdy. So first off, we're going to start off with you, George. What got you into collecting and liking comics? Hmm. Okay, let's go on back to, well, I guess, about five years old. June 2nd, 1989. Who? <laughs> That's somebody that we know's birthday that used to repeat that all the time. But go ahead. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I used to travel back and forth from um, Virginia Beach and D.C. I was staying with my grandmother, and um, when they would want me to come to D.C., they, they would put me on the bus. Back then, in the mid-60s, you could put a kid on a bus with a sign around their neck with a name and destination. They would travel by themselves to, you know, wherever they needed to go. So uh, back during that time, during the, where the comic books were um, at the bus stations and 7-Elevens and, you know, little stores that had the little racks, my parents would uh, let me get a couple books to look at. To tide you over on yeah. the trip? You know, keep me occupied, you know. That age, you know, you, you know, a little restless and it's a long trip. That was the that was the first time that I um, I started. Picked up Captain America and and the Falcon, the Hulk, and I think uh, I think a Spider Man. That was the start of it. And um, at that time, I really couldn't read, so I just look at the pictures and try to figure out, you know, what was going on. And you know, during that time, um, you know, comic books were a lot simpler. Good guys, bad guys. You know, Hawk was supposed to be the bad guy, but, you know, really he was a, a good guy, you know, but because he was huge and green, you know, General Ross, you know, was always after him, wanted his secret and, and you know, always thought the worst of him. So, but I liked him. And with Captain America, they had, uh, uh, that right there was the first black superhero you know, that I saw. In Falcon? In the Falcon. In Captain America? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I started collecting, tried to find out, find each issue after that with him. That started all. Yeah, because it sounded like you could, you said you were a fan of Marvel. So it's sort of like, you know, you get that first girlfriend. Yeah. You stick with it. Yeah. You know, you, yep. you started off with the light skinned girls and you stuck with them. Yep. You know. <laughs> You know, the funny thing, you know, then the black and white TV, not everybody had a TV. Um, uh, even though Superman was on TV at the time, 
I really didn't see Superman until maybe 68, 69, around 68, 69, when um, my father purchased a uh, 19-inch color TV. That's when I saw one of the first shows they're going to have about Superman. You would think that I would I would be a DC fan. They're going because really Superman and, and Batman, Batman, Batman were the only shows. You know, were the only two two comic book shows. Watched those two religiously um, when they came on during the evening after school. So it it started with the bus trip. Thanks. So damn near fifty years of just building to what you have now. Yep. So how many comics would you say you've collected? In total, not what you've given away or sold or whatever over the past 50 years. <laughs> if you just could give a ballpark guesstimate. I would say over 10,000. That's easy. You could probably read all of them because back in the day, you just say, bam, bow. <laughs> well, Kick you, them you, in the ding ding. Well, you know, you, you, you know the, the, the bam and bow, you know, the words that popped out, you know, of course, mm-hmm. you, you referring to um, Batman. Batman. They did some of it, you know, but, um, you know, even even at that time, you know, simple words were big words for me. So really, in a way, I've heard this over the years. There was plenty of people that had issues with reading and um, went to comic books. And they learned how to read, how to figure out words, you know, that the characters were, you know, were saying. Because it was action behind the words. Yeah. So, so you know. Yeah, it, with the pictures. So if, you, if you had a little, you know, a little bit of common sense, you know, could figure things out. That's how we uh, picked out some of the, um, the smaller words and, and um, even a couple of big words. It started from the, the bus rides, but when did you start collecting, like, series of books? Well, you guys off mic were talking about collecting books and the artists compared to the writers, because, you know, sometimes the writers and the artists aren't the same people, which some people don't know. Mm-hmm. And some of them will collect books for the artwork. Mm-hmm. Like you told me, for the covers, pretty mm-hmm. much, of the book. Some, like, writers of the books, and some just like a certain character or a group, like you mentioned, and they collect entire series of books. So when, at what point did it get to that, to where you started collecting the series of the books, the ones that you did collect? I think uh, once, I, uh, once we officially moved to Northern Virginia, I saw that the books were displayed in the little convenience stores, you know, the 7-Elevens, the, the drug fair, dark drugs department stores and stuff like that, I started looking for the next issue. Believe it or not, this is how raw I was at that age. You know, I didn't even know that, really realized that the comic books were numbered. And so I was going by the ending of a comic book and looking for the next issue. They're going to have that phrase from the ending of the previous book. Or, you know, if they look out for Black Panther in the next issue. So I'm looking for the next issue that has the Black Panther in it or, you know, some other character. You know, it wasn't until the late 70s that I found out that the books were numbers. Those numbers that is up at the top of the corner, that meant something. You know, and I was was like, you got to be kidding me, you know, all these years. And, you know, I could have just looked at the numbers at the top of those numbers meant something. And I was I was just, you know, you know, it was like, you know, duh. Yeah, because I didn't figure that out until you told me when I went to with you last year to that. Now, as far as the numbers, could you I remember you saying there's something inside the book that you look and see? Um, Well, uh, usually. 
uh, the 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 first the first printed page uh, at the bottom. It'll have the um, the name of the book, the year, the number, and then the copyright date, and you know all the other little publications and and, and stuff that's on there. But that's how you can tell once they started making multiple issues of a certain character. That's how you found out if this book was Spider Man. Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, you know, whatever the name of the book was. That's the official heading for that book is right inside on the first or the second page. Oh, so if you're looking for to complete your series, you have to look on the inside to see to make sure that's yeah what you need. Yeah. And they also used to tell you if it was a first or second run on that page, on that, that little bit of info to that little paragraph. It's like it was on the first page, mm-hmm. right at the bottom. It was a bunch of fine print. Because your first run, your first run, or your first print run, it was always worth more yeah. than the consecutive ones, right? So if you had a first print, you 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 had like a collector's item basically on your hands as long as you took care of it. And the second print would be the exact same story, exact same artist, exact same everything. But... It was the second run, right? It was that firstborn. Mm. Pretty much, I kind of stumbled on that. You know, I, I kind of had a one-track mind, and so I caught on to things that I, um, what identified a, a comic book just over time or, you know, hearing it from somebody at a show. Really, when I got into the first, to the multiple prints, now I'm going away from my, uh, from my favorite brand of books to DC. When Superman died, when he was uh, fighting Doomsday, that was a real popular series right there. And they started making multiple issues. I think it went up to the third print. I think it was third or fourth print. And I mean, it started from when Doomsday was introduced until they're going to Doomsday killed Superman. And then they had the funeral. There are like several issues. They made multiple prints because it was so popular and they just they you know they were making uh, a few hundred thousand at a time and and they you know they stop at two hundred thousand and then they remake it reprint that's so that's a second reprint then a third reprint so those wouldn't be worth as much no as the first no no they were moving so fast they were selling so fast that they had to make more they were selling they had to be selling because they, they got up to third or fourth print. There's really only been a handful of books, you know, that have done that. So, Craig, what made you start collecting comics? Collecting them? Mm-hmm. I honestly started collecting them because I had no idea what to do with it once I finished reading it. I didn't want to throw it away, <laughs> right? Um, so I just hung on to it. And then, you know, one became five, became 10, became 15. I was like, yeah, I might want to put these somewhere. Because uh, I just, the first one, I just, I couldn't throw away. Right? One, because it was a comic book. It was different. It was neat. It was mine. Uh, I could afford it. You know, my parents could afford it, right? So I just, I kept it. It was colorful. It had colors in it. The story, it was easy to follow, easy to read, it had pictures. It was a little mini escapism, right? You know, I could just go sit down somewhere and read the book and just go, just be lost. Um, and then one throw it away, you know, and then we'd just start collecting more and more and more. And then it wasn't until I got older and I actually had a job, so I had my own money, um, that it became, I guess, a hobby. But where I was actively seeking out certain titles or certain books um, and trying to collect them trying to be as consecutive as I could with those numbers in the corner, all right? Not really having any transportation, so I was limited. And so, you know, the 7-Eleven, 
I might pick up a book this week, go back next month, you know, looking for the next number in that title series and that particular seven level wouldn't have it. And I didn't have a way to get around, so it wasn't like I'd go looking for it. So that's how I ended up with gaps in my collection. You know, I, you know, I might have issue number 201, 202, 203, then my next one is 208 because I couldn't find, you know, five through seven anywhere that I had access to. Yeah, and so that, I just start collecting that way and just over time we keep them in this little different areas just either in a drawer somewhere and then when it got too many to be in a drawer I found a box put them in there when it got too many to be in one box they became two boxes and then three boxes and they just moved with me everywhere I moved um, to the point where it, it just became you know a couple of big tubs like I still remember going down with my wife now going down at the, the container store down here in, in Tyson's specifically looking for something to put my comic books in because she was tired of seeing them in paper boxes, right? Just like the case of paper, that, uh, the box of the case of paper would come in, like uh, copy paper. I just had a couple of those boxes just stacked around with my books in them. Yeah, see, George, I mean, like, he's got the the real deal, the crates on the plastic covers and the backboard and, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, my moms had those because in the beginning they didn't, they, the ones I had didn't have them. And, you know, over time, uh, some of my comics lost the covers because it was just two staples, right? Just little two little saddle stitch staples. They kept the book together. So I would lose covers or a staple would come out and then on the page, you know, I'm just trying to keep the book together and not touch it too much. Then uh, the poly bags, they started coming in the poly bags. Like, oh, okay, they help preserve it, right? But the way I was stacked them, they still get that curve. Then the backing came. Like, oh, okay, yeah, now we got the back, and it's great. Now I can keep them level. They're all even. I ain't got to worry about the curl and all that. But I never went back and bought a bag for every book I had. But I did have some that, that had the bagging and the backing, you know, because it just get, came along later on. So besides people that have been collecting for years and not going out to seek people's, you know, whole collection— for people that would want to start, like, right now collecting comics, either one of you, any suggestions for people? Because, like, anything new. I mean, do you think that anything out there at some point would be worth you know, investing in and collecting, not the old stuff, the new stuff? I don't. I mean, unless they come up with a brand-new character that no one's ever seen, I, I don't. Because everything that's out there now is... Is it already established or is something that's been rehashed or, or reborn or rebirthed for something that's already established, right? I mean, we have two Spider-Man now for, for crying out loud. It just, it irked me. It still irks me. I mean, yeah, great. He's black and Latino, but he came from another universe. That particular brand didn't do well, so they closed it down, but that was a popular character, so they found a way to bring him into the main continuity and it just, I, I think that I think that was the last time that if if you were going to get anything like even they had a future version of Marvel twenty ninety nine series, right? They had a Spider Man twenty ninety nine where his his origin story was he actually had spider DNA mixed into his body with his DNA to overcome a drug addiction because he was drugged by by his boss. Because he didn't want to do something he wanted to do. And so that's how he became Spider-Man in the future, right? And he, his body actually generated web just like a spider. He had spinnerets in his wrist. 
And I had the first issue of that. It was popular. And I was like, okay, I might got something here. Then the 2099 line went away. So what about you, George? Do you think anything that's worth becoming a collector of any new stuff? Uh, really, they're going to think that what I've been seeing is that a lot more people are leaning towards the writers, sketch artists, inkers. So, so the people who make the book, not so much the characters. The shows that I've been to, um, you have folks that, um, if it's good reading, some of these books are not really popular characters. It's just whoever the writers are, are writing good books. You know, it has a good plot. And and um, they're collecting those. So uh, it, it's, it's now it's not so much. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in the line of um, money. Now it's more of what you like to read, what keeps you, you know, your mind active to something that you like. It's getting harder to find um, books from from decades ago, especially in good condition. I think that's where you can make the money if for some reason. You know, when you started collecting back in the 60s, for me, if I had known about, I, you know, I tried to keep my books together. But, you know, like I said once before that, you know, I had cousins and friends that would come over and want to look at the book. And next thing you know, a page is torn out or a dog ear is at the top of the page. It's not till years later that you find out that those imperfections of that cover takes away the value. But it's still valuable because... You're looking at a few decades ago, you know, it were they made a couple of thousand and now those books have been left in boxes that got destroyed. Their mother threw them away because you're gone. A few years ago, we heard that there was a guy there that bought a house to flip. And when he went to demo the wall, uh, Action Comet fell out of the wall that somebody had used as insulation. Action Comet number one with the Superman on wow. it. You know, because and that's before they became DC. Yeah. And because, mm-hmm. you know, because it was in the wall and it was preserved, it was worth millions of dollars. This guy just lucked in, but he already had tripled his money just from that book right there, being, being in that house. That particular book is very, rare. it's only maybe a hundred that are out there. So the only way if you're going to make money off of being, you have to have a passion to just want to keep the comics if you collect. Or if you think you want to try to make money off it, you have to go purchase other people's collections and try to resell them, hold on to them for a while and then resell them. That sounds like that's the only way at this time that you can make money off of collecting comics. But, you know, most people that collect comics are just fans, like Craig was saying, fans of comics, because, you know, we've collected different things over the years that you're going to keep it. You try to keep it as nice as you can because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get it messed up, you know, and then with people that are fans of comics and comics was, I wouldn't say readily available, but you can go to the bookstores and stuff that and get comics from what wherever. And like Craig was saying that, you know, somebody like him, like now he didn't have the means to get these books. But if he kept his collection, he can go to all the comic shows and try to find the, the missing ones like I've seen you try to do. Yeah. I'll tell you, the, um, then too, you know, comics, the big thing was back in the day, especially during, you know, during our parents' time, you're looking at the, you know, the 40s and 50s were sports cards. Sports cards, one, they're a lot smaller, they're thinner, they're easy to 
put in a shoebox. You can probably put at least, you know, a hundred or so in a shoebox. I think they probably made covers, some type of plastic cover for sports cars way before they did comics. I think people thought that comics wouldn't be a, a big thing. That's why developing some type of protection form was so late. You know, like I said, the, the plastic covers, that didn't happen until I think the late, the late 70s and early 80s. It didn't took another couple of years before they came out with a box that was long and narrow that held the comics. So now, you know, you have these long boxes. And at, at one time, I had 100 boxes full of comics on an average, you know, held anywhere from three to 400 books. And I hauled them jokers around for a good while. I don't know. I am curious, though, now. I mean, you can still find some print, but a lot of comics now online, like, like you can per still purchase a subscription, but instead of getting an actual comic in, in the mail, you, you have access to it online. It's not the same. It's not the same, but I'm also wondering, I guess I say I could possibly even see how maybe some issues can become uh, one of these NFTs now. And and that's how you preserve it and, and keep the value of it, right? Instead of keeping it in a plastic bag and, and keeping it away from the elements and stuff, you now have this digital NFT comic that you keep, I guess, in the cloud. I'm not even sure how the NFTs work. I just, um, you know what I'm talking about? You ever heard the yeah. NFT? Yeah. yeah. Right? I don't believe anything on the internet. That can always be changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but I'm just curious. Um, I was just like trying to figure out what you know, is that, yeah, is that where it's going, going, going to for be the future. Yeah. yeah, just like anything that you collect that's collectible, it needs to be original. It needs to have that that rust to it, that old look. You know, the smell. You know, books have a certain smell, the feel of it, and just being able to turn the pages. Because you remember some of those older comic books have the old advertisements. Yeah, edit. And, you know, some of them had the little cards in it that you found. And, you know, you look at some of the advertisements, Kool-Aid or, or some bubble gum or ice cream or something the like that. X-ray vision glasses yeah. back yeah. in the day. And back, yeah. You know, you send away. Sometimes you'll find comic books that the cover's intact, but the pages in the inside are cut out. Because, because kids did cut out those pages to get those X-ray vision glasses or, you know, or some other type of gadget. Speaking of, I've heard things like that. When there's like an imperfection in a book, like a cover, that somebody drew something different and they stop it and you only find like 10 of them before they figure out that the print was incorrect. Now, something like that, I've heard that would be collectors yeah, too. Yeah. Any type of mistake or alteration in a book is worth something because, you know, it's a mistake. It's rare. They didn't make a lot of them. Yeah. If, if you can find something like that, that's unique. Now, what would be, um, I don't know, have you heard of what the highest selling comic would go for and what comic is that or what book? I think Action Comics number one, I think it's still, it's still yeah, at I the don't top. Know, I don't know what it is. I know it's, I know it's five figures at least. Um, I can't remember what it is, at least 100,000. But yeah, it's either Action Comic or Amazing Fantasy, which was Spider-Man's debut. Um, but one of those two. What, you said a hundred thousand? At least. No, these books. If you if you get one of the price guides, the hardback or the softback guide in the front, the first few um, pages, they'll show copies of uh, of different comic books that are that are worth in the millions. Easy. Wow. That's why I was saying that guy who found that that action one that um, action one uh, number one Superman that right there, they were offered him three million dollars for that book. 
in the millions. And so, right. I mean, even now, you know, you're looking at the first appearance of Aegon of, um, of the Black Panther, Fantastic Fours. That right there, is, I think, is, is about a half a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, wow. So. Yeah, I'm telling you, I would have to, if I paid that much money for anything, <laughs> it had to be sitting in front of me. Because <laughs> ain't no way, like you were saying, NFTs, something online, nah. I got to be able to go, open a drawer, open a case, and see it right there. And I'll tell you something funny I just thought of when, you know, when we're talking about um, the value of comic books. Y'all have seen The Accountant, right? With Ben Affleck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, mean, you remember when he was um, when he was going through his storage thing on and it, his cover got blown or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or he was getting out of there and he started getting some money and passports and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And one of the things he pulled out with, was the number one action comic book. No, I didn't even, I never paid attention to that. <laughs> never it, paid attention to it. It was right there. I mean, they focused on that when he grabbed that book. Oh, yeah. I know I probably saw it, but right. I didn't think of it yep. at all. He had some paintings in there, some uh, um, Michelangelo yeah. and Van Gogh paintings. And, and, and he, he left that up there, but he got that comic book. I was like, okay. Wow, I got to go back and see that. Because <laughs> I remember when he was in there and, that, and all the stuff that he had in that room, mm-hmm. in that storage. It never even dawned on me to pay attention to, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because that, that book rated one, you know, he was packing a small bag anyway. So that was small enough to fit in that bag. He knew that he can get a few million off right. if he needed some cash. Because they're so rare, somebody will definitely buy it. <laughs> it would have been funny if it was a Batman book, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> right. that was before, right. you know, he played Batman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ben Affleck was the only one that played Superman. He played Daredevil and he played Batman. He played Superman? Yes, he sure yeah, did. That's what I'm trying to think. Yes, he ben sure Affleck did. when or what and what, what was, what was the name or which one? I think it was like Tinseltown when he played, what's his name, Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Um, no, no, not Christopher Reeves. Um, George Reeves. George Reeves. Right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. He played George Reeves. Right. And he played Superman, and they showed him in the costume when they yeah, were filming. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember He played that Superman. Yeah. So, yeah, because mm. he was actually portraying the actor that played mm-hmm. Superman, but mm-hmm. because the actor played Superman. And okay. he was dressed up in a costume, too. The old Superman. school costume. Yeah, see, I don't count that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't play Superman. He was playing the actor. He played the actor. He was doing a movie on the actor yeah. that played Superman. Yeah, right? so, so I, I, I'm looking at yeah, Daredevil. Yeah, and, and whatever. I wouldn't even claim Daredevil. Not as bad as that joint was. <laughs> I know, and they had a lecture in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, and it's the crazy thing that with them two, did they uh, get together because I of that film? I think it was because of that movie. That yeah. movie? And then, you know, they went and made another movie with Electra, Jennifer Gardner, and didn't make another one with Ben Affleck. Because it wasn't that good, so. X-Men didn't, didn't start off big on, on, on best. I mean, just because it was new and, and it kind of paved the way for the rest of them, they kept making them. I didn't like none of the X-Men movies, honestly. Um I only really remember the first one. I only remember that because it was somewhat new. Because I remember working at Champs. And we were having a discussion one day about an X-Men movie and who should play what character. And then lo and behold, like a year later, there's a live-action X-Men. I was like, who's Hugh Jackman? You know, like, because everybody's, you know, Wolverine, you know, got to be this person got to do Wolverine. Like, who's Hugh Jackman? Now, I did say when we were discussing it because we had no way... Of, of making this move, right? We were just throwing mm-hmm. names around. We was like, um, it was I, myself and a couple of people. We did see Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Um, and who, we had said someone else from Magneto. It wasn't, it wasn't that guy, Eric. But <laughs> So I was kind of shocked when it seemed like, 
oh, something must have hurt us because somebody cast Patrick Stewart um, as a, as professor. But yeah, I didn't like those movies. You know what I'm surprised is they didn't continue with Sabretooth. Yeah, his, yeah. his character was good. They just, I, I guess, pick and choose what they want. He was in like maybe one and a half films. One and a half, I believe so. But I know he was in there with um, Wade Wilson. That whole one when both Sabretooth and um, and Logan or you know Wolverine was fighting <laughs> him on top of that thing. That was the Wolverine Wolverine, Wolverine mm-hmm. movie. Right when um, Ryan Reynolds was uh, Weapon X. Yeah, he's been playing Wade Wilson for a long time. Some people don't know that that he was Wade Wilson for a long ass time. <laughs> because he was in Blade. Yep, uh, three. That started all the way back then when Blade was coming, you know, came out. And then it rolled into, and that was terrible and Wolverine, what they did to him now. But, you know, to now, to Deadpool. So it's been a long time. How long ago did that come out? The 90s? What? Blade? No. Two th- early. It's got to be early to mid-2000s. I think early, early 2000. Really? Yeah, because it's it's pretty it's old. Not, it's not that. Yeah, old. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I would go with the nineties. It's pretty old. Cause Blade came out before the X Men. Yeah, because that was the first of his kind. Yeah, Blade came out before the X Men, and I was working at Champs in '96, and that's when we were having a discussion about the X Men movie. Uh, Blade, I, I would say Blade was maybe early '90s. No, oh, '98, '98, not early '90s, but it was before 2000. First blade, told you, nineties, ninety eight, first one. But you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of upset right now with, with y'all too, because you know we're we're talking about the X Men. Haven't mentioned the thing about about Storm. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say I did not like Halle Berry's portrayal of it. No, uh, I did not like that at all. Yeah, that no. that didn't fit. That was just looking for too much star power for that film. I just didn't like the way she was portrayed in the movie, period, right? Because Storm is an Omega-level mutant. Like, Storm is powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, very, 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 very powerful. And in that movie, they got to come off of just little helpless chick mm-hmm. that can throw lightning bolts. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't like. Do you know they were um, considering casting Angela Bassett for that? Well, you know. Back get, then? Yeah. Again, the thing that I'm trying to understand um, of picking popular actors and stuff, just try a little harder to find a actor as close to the character. And once I found out that that Storm was at least six foot tall, and you know, here it is, you got this little short person that's five, you know, no. five, 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 six. Not and- only that, they picked one of the lightest skinned black. Actresses in Hollywood to play her was Storm light skin. Storm was from Africa, straight from Africa, not African American. She was from Africa. She was an orphan from Africa, and, and you know, they're, you know for, for, for what little queen, bit, for what little bit of acting that she did, you know, I thought they, like they could have found a model, you know, that and was that, that was that, tall. And that's what they when they were talking about recasting Storm, all of them were were models to do like something that's. Updated, and they were looking at. I can't remember her name, but she's a a model that's an actress now. But she's dark skinned They were considering casting. But what we won't get now is 
Black Panther and Storm. There was a possibility at one point they were because they were acquiring the X-Men again, you know, at Marvel. And it was a possibility how them bringing the X-Men in and having Black Panther and Storm. Not going to happen now. Can't happen. Hmm. Well, that that, well, that right there was, uh, believe it or not, a popular series, too, with the X-Men bringing Black Panther in there. Well, the way that they, they do the movies in any way, I mean, they, they could do it. She wouldn't marry T'Challa, but the hell, they haven't really been sticking to the... But I don't think they'll do the, it. The I think source of stuff now, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they, they would, but Hollywood could do it. I think what they're doing is they're bringing Professor X in as the uh, the Illuminati, not the Illuminati, the um, it's Illuminati, and but I I think that's where they're pulling Professor X in first, and they're pulling Wolverine in at some point too. So I think with the X Men, those are the two people that were will appear first, besides Juggernaut being in Deadpool. But I think yeah, I think those those are the two that they're pulling in first to make people aware that the mutants. Were there when you know all this stuff was going down with all the other superhero and New York and all that stuff? And they they gonna say Wanda had something to do with people not knowing about the mutants. Ah, she was a big part of the Avengers when they first started. Yeah, she uh, married the robot. <laughs> yeah, which blew my mind when I first found out because I had no idea in the beginning of Vision was an android. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, how did she marry a robot? How <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> The Illuminati had um, Professor X, Shiri, Black Panther, um, Black Bolt, Magneto, um, Marvel. You don't remember the Illuminati? Mm. Yep, Illuminati Comics, Illuminati. Yep, and Iron Man. It was in New Avengers, um, New Avengers number seven, July 2005. You said Avengers number seven? Mm-hmm. What volume? Um, I don't know, it said Avengers number seven. What year? July 2005. Okay. And they're not bringing the Inhumans in either. They scrapped the TV show and they're not bringing the Inhumans in. All right, you guys got anything else you want to say about the comics before we wrap it? Just glad I, I, I found them and, and, and all my parents found them for me to, to, to keep me busy, keep me occupied. And um, I just wouldn't have thought that I would still be collecting them. I know, say they're close to 50 years. They don't, I, I never would think. So there's a lot of books that I, uh, you know, there's some, uh, I think the early, around the early 2000s, um, my wife made me cut back on on collecting because, you know, she said I was wasting my money and, and, and spending on on comics. and You know what they call that, right? Divorce. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, but you know, every now and then I, I I would stop at the store, or when I started going to the Baltimore Comic Con, that's when it kind of started coming back. When they're giving you a box, a long box for seventy five or a hundred bucks, you can't beat that. You can't turn that down. You know, and, and and these were books that were fillers, back issues that that I needed. You know, because it you know there was several years that I wasn't collecting. That's what I'm trying to get all these fillers and, and stuff. And it's a it's a lot of books. And years that I missed it had some key stories. 
One that I, I had in my hand, but at the time I thought it was too expensive. It was only 20 bucks. But now, and if you try to find this particular book, you, you know, it's, it's worth a couple hundred. And that's when um, Tony Stark went on the binge. He started drinking. The cover has him having a whiskey bottle on the cover of it. Believe it or not, they got some flag because of that. Cause it, yeah, it, for the kids. Yeah, for the kids it. and stuff, you know. Even though, you know, it's, it's directed to the kids, but you have the adults really buying them. So, um, yeah, there, there was there's a few books that um, during that time period that was very valuable now that's going to be hard to get unless you happen to be at the right place at the right time. That's one of the reasons why I like going to comic book shows, just being there. Sometimes I've been at the right place at the right time and found books that I didn't think I would find. You know, this right here is it's a lot of years. You know, Lifelong we, passion. Yeah. It's not something that you can just go in there and just find, you know, and especially when you have multiple books to get. And so, you know, you're looking for the good deals. And there's been a couple of shows that I went to where the people just wanted to get rid of their books. They'll tell you, hey, all the books were a dollar, a dollar and less. You buy a long box, 75 bucks. There was books in there that was from $20, $30 to a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, they were just trying to get rid of them. Yep, they were trying to get rid of them. That was a good day. Wow. So if you guys start collecting out there, you know, we got some good advice for <laughs> some some collectors. Stay tuned for part two of Comic Book Talk, where we dig deep into our likes and dislikes of the Too Big franchise. And like always, we'd love you to like, share and subscribe. And if you have a story you'd like to tell us or if you want to be on the show, email us at John Carter at Mysteries and Beliefs dot com. Until next time, guys, peace.